Thank you very much for that. And I'm happy to be called pastor. And I'd like to be considered an MDiv student. That would be great. Let me add my own welcome to all of you this morning, those of you who are the new students coming in. We had opportunity yesterday to meet many of you, perhaps some for the first time this morning, and those of you who are returning to us, and some who have returned to us after a few years away. We're glad that you're here with us, and to faculty and staff, it's good to see you this morning. If you came to our home and you opened the cupboard above our stove in the kitchen, you would find any number of coffee makers. And my wife, who isn't able to be with us today, my wife has a responsibility on a weekly basis to visit her dad on the South Shore, and she sends her greetings to you, and we look forward to having you in our home. But my wife doesn't drink coffee, and she gets quite... Um, I would say amazed, puzzled, somewhat even frustrated when I view a new coffee maker somewhere and think that we should have it. <laughs> and I tell her that, you know, it's really a good thing and that students will love it when they come to our home. And she says, honey, you will love it when you come to our home. <laughs> so I'm interested in coffee and I'm interested in stories about coffee. And one of the stories I've read recently I want to share with you, because some of you are really Tim's fans, I know that, and I'll go with you to Tim's any day, but I like Starbucks. Yes. And, um, all right. But I want... Please Starbucks church, just give me All right, very good. This is good. We'll work it out. To the other president of the ADCSA. And by the way, the retreat that's coming up, really... Um, the impetus for that, although the idea has been around, the impetus for that came from the ADCSA, and they're very involved. So thanks very much, Dustin, and Aaron, and all the rest of you. Let me tell you a story about Howard Schultz. Some of you may know that Howard Schultz, Schultz is the founder of Starbucks. When Howard was seven years old, his father had a work-related accident in which his dad broke his ankle. Now, as a result of that, his father lost his job. And the family's health benefits were lost as well. Workers' compensation did not yet exist, and Schultz's mother could not work because she was seven months pregnant at that time. Now, in her book entitled Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, Ruth Haley Barton says this, Their family life deteriorated, and the memories of how this situation broke his father's spirit motivated Howard to incorporate access to health coverage for qualified workers as a foundational value of the company that we call Starbucks. And in his own words, Schultz says this, My inspiration comes from seeing my father broken from the 30 terrible blue-collar jobs he had over his life. I wanted to build the kind of company my father never had a chance to work for, where you would be valued, respected, 
no matter where you came from. Vision drives mission. And what is it, as you come to Acadia Divinity College, some of you for the first time and others of you returning, what is it that down deep inside of you, what is it that inspires you, that motivates you, that actually drives you? What is it, or actually who is it, that in fact calls you to be a Christian leader? I have used this quote before, and it's one that resonates with me often. It's a quote by William Willimon, who is a Christian leader, an author. He says this, From the ranks of the baptized, some are called to lead. From the ranks of the baptized, some are called to lead. Whether we are here this morning as a student or a faculty member, whether we are a staff person or lecturer, we are here today as those who are called to lead. There will be times when you will feel and think like Moses when God came to him and began to call Moses from You remember the story of the burning bush and from that bush and the encounters that they had and God told Moses he wanted him to lead the people of Israel away from Egypt. And do you remember what Moses said, his first objection to God? This is like an adult Sunday school class, you're able to respond. Do you remember what he he said? Pardon? Anybody? Do you remember what he said? I can't do it. I can't. Do you remember though? There was something that preceded that. Yes? It comes close to that. Pardon? Who am I? Who am I? Interesting. That when God invites us to do something, sometimes the first response that comes from us is not about God at all. About His glory or His wonder or His splendor. But about ourselves. Who am I? Said Moses. That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Do you remember God's response? Exodus 3.11. Anybody? Did God make a commentary to Moses about Moses? Pardon? Uh, close. That's why I don't teach OT. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be better after the answer. Somebody, I think, had it. Wasn't it, don't ask who you are? Something along that line? No. Did he say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He did. He did. He said, Moses said to God, but who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out? And God said, I will be with you. Now, somebody already said that. Who said that? Danny. Danny. Yeah, I know. Um, and, and Danny, <laughs> and Danny, that's why I'm the president. <laughs> uh, I wanted to come back to that. I love it. Let's see if you're all listening. The interesting, the interesting thing is on our sense of call. 
and when the challenge comes. And for you, some of you filling out the application form, coming to Acadia, others of us who have been called into this ministry of preparing leaders, sometimes we ask the question, who am I? Who am I? Sometimes we reflect on our history or we reflect upon our current status or we reflect on our inadequacies. And the interesting thing to it all is God just says, I'll be with you. And the focus on our sense of call sometimes is too much perhaps upon ourselves. And the word of God today, my reminder to you, is not about you, not about Acadia Divinity College, but about God and who God is. And the vision that inspires the call of God is really not about us. It is actually getting caught up and in fact hidden and in a sense even lost in what God is doing. It's about His adequacy, not about our insecurity. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. The Spirit of the living God is raising up people here in Atlantic Canada and all over the world who will lead the church in the sharing of Jesus Christ. And you and I are privileged to be part of it. This message that is focused on the person of Jesus Christ, that's our focus. That's our sense of call. I would invite you to meditate on Him, to think about Him, to ponder Him, to worship Him, to reflect, to bow down before the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The one who is Alpha and Omega, the Righteous One. He is calling out leaders from the ranks of the baptized. And when you are tempted to focus on yourself and your inadequacy, or I might even add, your adequacy, think about Him. He promised to be with us. He promised to lead us. And He's given us a task. For some of us, the task seems fairly clear at this point in time. For others, the task may not be so clear. I want to encourage you that living loud includes being settled in the sense of call and in the adequacy of Jesus. But it's going to take courage. It takes courage. In fact, after the death of Moses, God came to Joshua and he said to him, As I was with Moses, I will be with you. But then he had to say a word to Joshua. And I wonder sometimes, we could ask Professor Glenn in terms of Old Testament, why in the world God had to say in Joshua chapter, chapter 1 so many times to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people. And then later, again, be strong. And then this word, very courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Does that sound familiar to what God said to Moses? 
the Lord will be with you wherever you go. It will take courage to live out this sense of call. It takes courage to discover ways to engage people with this message of Jesus Christ. It takes courage sometimes to take the initiative to speak to someone about the Lord. It also takes courage sometimes to be silent when you'd like to speak. It takes courage to speak against oppression and injustice. It takes courage to speak into a world of unbelief. It takes courage here in this Annapolis Valley that has so many churches where people have heard so much for so long and across Atlantic Canada or even in the Western world where the church is present but seems at times to have lost the credibility to be able to speak into the lives of people. It takes courage in the face of unbelief, even in this campus where intellectualism rises up in the face of Christianity and at points shakes its fist at us and would say to us at points, could you be so dumb as to actually believe that God has spoken solely in one person, Jesus? When across the world there are so many religions and there's so much good everywhere and we would say yes to all of that. But the uniqueness of Jesus and the word that God has spoken and the scriptures say to us, in him dwells all the fullness of God bodily. In him is the express image of the invisible God. It will take courage to speak into a world of unbelief. And sometimes, frankly, I feel in our churches that Christian persons accommodate all this other, and you can fill in all the other blanks, with a sense of complacency. Those of us who are called to be Christian leaders will need to learn how to speak with our lives as well as our lips if we're going to be able to demonstrate the love of God in Christ. I've been reflecting this summer on Scripture. 1 Corinthians 1.23, Paul says, We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. Do you know that's true? It's true that the preaching of the cross is a stumbling block. And there are those who will regard it as foolishness. But I want to encourage you this morning that in our preaching, in our teaching, in our living, it's not just us that's at work. The Spirit of the living God is at work drawing people to Christ. And John 10 and 10 records these words of Jesus. I have come that they might have life and have life to the full. Do you believe that there are other alternatives to this kind of life? 
If you're not settled and satisfied that in Jesus Christ there is life and life to the full, you will actually allow yourselves to be settled in other directions, making room for all kinds of other spiritual opportunities and all kinds of other spiritual realities if you're not completely settled in Jesus as the one who says, I've come, that they may have life. You might say, well, isn't there life over there? And what about that? And isn't there life here? There can be the appearance of life. But life is to be found only in Him. Satisfactory to the full and overflowing. It will take courage. How are we going to do it? Because the commission says, after the resurrection of Jesus, He came to His disciples, He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Does He share His authority with anybody? I don't think. It's all authority. It's not 99.9%. We follow someone who has all authority, has the final word on our lives and our living, has the final word on everything, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Someone who has all authority demands my attention. It's not that I accommodate him or I look at him as an option. He demands my attention. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, all the peoples of the earth. Go! Make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And Paul reminds us in what he, we read today that God makes His appeal through us. How are we going to do it? We will preach, we will teach, and we will heal. But there's not only a commission, there's a commandment. A great commission, but a great commandment. And the great commandment of Jesus is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind and love your neighbor as yourself. The early church did not only rely upon the proclamation of God's word for evangelism. The early church relied on the koinonia, the fellowship. And it was said of them that there was no need among them. They loved one another. Now it doesn't mean they didn't have disputes and difficulties. In fact, they had very large disputes and difficulties. I'm always amazed by people who say, we just need to get back to the early church. I want to say, how far back? <laughs> just have a look in the book of Acts. You'll see it didn't take long for them to have a dispute. But they were given leadership to help them work through their disputes. And they loved one another. And it impacted the world. And those of you who will study church history will see in those early centuries, in fact, the first couple of, year, of centuries, when plagues came upon the earth, it was the Christians who ministered to people who were dying. And when the Romans left people in the ditches and did not take care of the bodies, it was the Christians who came along and gave proper burial, who actually ministered and served people. In fact, where do you think hospitals came from? Where do you think universities came from? It came from the compassion and the heart in the Christian gospel. The world is looking for genuine leadership, integrity, people who would, as Jesus says, wash the feet of one another. The love of God brought Jesus into the world and took him to a cross. 
The love of Jesus took Mother Teresa to the slums and streets of Calcutta. The invitation to serve may take you to the slums and streets of Calcutta or Bogota or Nairobi or Hong Kong. It may take you across the globe. It will be the love of Jesus in your heart, empowered by the Holy Spirit, with the vision of Jesus, calling you to demonstrate His love to such a hurting and broken world. I do not know of any other way to gain the opportunity to speak into someone's life until you will demonstrate to them that you seriously care and have compassion for them at their point of need. I don't know any other way, but I do know this, that if we will do that, and we will have the courage to speak to the injustices of the world and get involved in our quiet, yet powerful, compassionate way, we will earn the right to be able to speak into the lives of people. And guess what? They'll be drawn to Him because He is the one who's the giver of life. That's what motivates me. I remember the former principal of this institution saying, there are many things in life that I have seen that do not work, but I know that the gospel of Jesus Christ works. It works. It works. And you and I have been invited to participate in leading other people to Him. Don't look at your inadequacies. Look up instead to the adequacy of Christ and lean to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you today for your great love. Thank you for all those centuries of preparation for the coming of the Messiah. Thank you that the Lord Jesus came into this broken world. That he not only spoke, that he not only taught, that he not only preached, but he actually healed He engaged in the wounds and hurts and the injustices of humanity, often one person at a time. Lord, we are unable in our strength to do any of it. But thank you that in your strength, not only is it possible, but it is your plan. We submit to you and your plan Help us to have the patience to watch you work it out in our lives. To your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.